Welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox, and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I am on with a very special guest. I have Mrs. Stephanie Carton. She's an entrepreneur from a young age and she walked away from her corporate gig to launch Socialfly, a leading social first digital and influencer agency based in New York City. Within seven years, Socialfly has blossomed to over 30 full-time employees, helping over 200 brands, including, wow, the Girl Scouts, Samsung, Smart Things, Nest, Fragrances, 20th Century Fox, and Univision. Stephanie is also the co-author of Like, Love, Follow, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Using Social Media to Grow Your Business. And she's also the co-host of the Entrepreneur podcast. She has appeared and been featured on Bloomberg, Forbes, Entrepreneur.com, Refinery29, and Cheddar TV. Stephanie is also a recent recipient of the Smart CEO Broadway Award, which recognizes the top female CEOs in New York and a Stevie Award for Women Run Workplace of the Year. Wow. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for being on. It is an honor to speak with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Nicole. So excited to be here and chat all things business, motherhood, all the good stuff. Awesome. So before we dive into the meat and potatoes of the conversation, I always like to ask my guests if there's a favorite book or podcast that you've read or that you'd like to recommend to my listeners. Yes, I'm going to give my my top three right now. So I'll do my two parenting and then uh, business. So Parenting Podcast, The Core Parenting Conversations. This is hosted by Kaylee Kolka. She's actually a parent at the school that my daughter goes to, and she has amazing conversations teaching all the things I'm trying to figure out parenting as well. And then, of course, Good Inside, Dr. Becky. Everyone loves a good Dr. Becky podcast. I've learned so much from her as well. So that's on the parenting side. And then business, all right, Nicole, just do a self-promo for the Entrepreneurista podcast for everyone who Love wants it. to learn all about business. I actually listen to all of our episodes every single week too, because after having awesome. the initial conversations, yes. I go back and listen to them and am reminded of all the things that these amazing founders yeah. are, are sharing. And, and I, I relearn every time. So those are my top three picks. Um, I listened to Oprah was being interviewed, I think by Brene Brown, and they were talking about her journey. And she said, the amount of value she's gotten from interviewing people. And she's like, you know, people say they have seen my interviews, but not everyone has seen everyone. She's like, but I have been a part of every interview and have learned. So you just made me think of that because so much value in talking to people. And I can imagine how much you've learned along your journey when you go back and listen to that. Absolutely. Having and hosting our podcast for the past few years has been the most incredible experience getting to connect with these women who are just powerhouses and they have so much insight and advice to share. And I learn talking to them every single week as I bet you do having these conversations, right? hundred percent. And Dr. Becky, yes, I actually just started reading her Good Inside book and I've listened to her podcast. So much information for the moms out there. It's it's just excellent. It's it's simplified and just real. It's It's awesome. So I'm glad you mentioned those. How has motherhood transformed you? Motherhood has completely transformed me. Um, you know, my whole life is so different from what it was when 
when I, you know, first started our, our business and it has just made me, and I was already a very compassionate, loving person, but even more so. And I just have such an understanding and an appreciation for moms. Like I never could have even imagined before, like the amount of work that goes into not only like me, cause I had a fertility journey, like trying to get pregnant and then yeah. trying to stay pregnant through my, my challenges. But then you know, parenting every single day is a journey. So just that empathy and compassion yes. that I, every woman that I see who has a child, I'm like, oh man, they're amazing. Yes. It's um, Ricky Lake's quote, um, motherhood is the hardest, motherhood is the greatest, motherhood is the hardest, right? It's mm-hmm. like the juxtaposition of both. Um, and no one prepares you for that. Yeah. Um, I always say it takes a village or we always say, you know, we hear it takes a village to raise a child, but I say, more importantly, it takes a village to uplift a mother who and what, because I think podcasts, all the things, books, um, who and what has been a part of your motherhood village? I don't know if anyone has answered this before, but what I'm going to share. So I'm curious to see. For me, it has actually been my community on Instagram and social media. Mm. So I have been able to crowdsource so much information about motherhood. And as I briefly Mm -hmm. mentioned before, you know, I went through this very complicated infertility journey and then a very complicated pregnancy journey. And I would not have been able to get pregnant or stay pregnant if I had not shared what I was going through with personally with my community on social media. And from doing that, I was able to connect with the right doctors, the right people that had been through similar experiences to actually navigate everything that I was going through pre, you know, having Molly. And now- Molly's three and a half years old now. I literally crowdsource everything and I ask everyone for ideas. You know, yeah. my my friends, my, you know, friends who I talk with and text with every day are amazing. Like in my, I'm so close with my, you know, personal friends I've been friends with for years from elementary school and, and college. Sure. But there's something about being able to, you know, get instant crowdsourced information from a whole yes. community of of women has really been the most incredible, incredible thing. I agree. Um, it's, it's the, the internet could be a beautiful, beautiful place when used properly. Um, and same thing, I've met so many wonderful women on Instagram and the, and the relationships that we've created is actually kind of crazy. Um, so that's awesome. I think you are the first one to mention that. So that's great. So you've mentioned your infertility issues and your journey kind of, I guess I can say into becoming a mother. Why don't you talk a little bit deeper about that? Um, if you don't mind, I think as you stated, it's so important to have these conversations to normalize that that is a part of of life and it's okay. And if that is what your journey is, um, and to also be able to have empathy for someone who maybe has not had that journey Mm -hmm. to hear from somebody else. And if somebody's currently in that space or season of trying to get pregnant, what that was like. So please, if you don't, wouldn't mind sharing your journey of, of becoming a mother. Of course. So as far back as I can remember in childhood, I've always wanted to be a mom. And, you know, as I was going through schooling and then, you know, working full-time for other companies and then starting businesses, I always knew I wanted to be able to, you know, build my own business to be able to just depend on myself to then have a family and be able to support my family. And I just wanted that responsibility. And I just always wanted to be a mom. Like I feel like I work so hard every day to be able to, you know, have this family that I have always dreamed of and to be able to now show my now daughter, you know, 
all these in- incredible things. And when I first got married to my husband, I was a little bit concerned that, you know, I would potentially would have issues with going through infertility. It was like my biggest fear. Um, so one of the first things that we did after, after we got married, we did, uh, some early genetic testing. I have multiple sclerosis and I've had health challenges throughout my life. So I was just like, let me just, let me just get, get this out of the way to just make sure there's not going to be any issues, you know, prior to, prior to trying to get pregnant. And we found out, um, early on that I was a pre-mutation carrier when we did genetic testing of something called fragile X, which is something that is actually just passed down from the mom. It doesn't have to be when you do genetic testing that both the parents have to match for it. So we, you know, right away then went to, um, I believe another gen- genetic counselor to get more information and also met with a fertility doctor and realized in case we were going to go right to sure. IVF because of that genetic condition. And after, you know, doing a lot of research, meeting with a genetic counselor, meeting with that first, um, reproductive specialist, we decided, you know, why don't we just try to get pregnant on our own because the odds of it being passed and being in this full mutation were so low. I'm like, you know, what? let's just, let's just try. Sure. So what I didn't know is that all of the other challenges that can come about with, um, actually having issues with infertility. So here I was like, Oh, let's just do genetic testing. I didn't actually realize all of these other things that could potentially be an issue. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until actually going through the whole experience of one trying to get pregnant naturally for a year and not having success. And then later moving on to go to, you know, reproductive specialists and having a very complicated time trying to get pregnant. Did I even realize that like what this whole world of infertility was and to make a very long story and journey a little shorter, because this will be a three hour podcast interview for you, Nicole. (laughs) Um, what ended up happening uh, was, you know, we were trying to get, like I mentioned, we were trying to get pregnant naturally for a while, ended up then moving on to uh, start treatments for infertility. Sure. And I started sharing my journey on social media. I'd actually met this woman, Andrea. She's the founder of a company called Pregnantish. They're a media company for um, people that are going through infertility. And we had connected and I had shared with her, you know, I said, getting diagnosed with multiple sclerosis was like one of the hardest things that's ever happened in my life. But going through infertility is even has been even harder because I just feel like I have absolutely no control over anything. And all I've ever wanted in my life is to, to be a mom. And Andrea said to me, you know, I think your story would really resonate with people because I think a lot of other people feel this, feel this way. Would you be willing to share your story? So I agreed to write an article for Pregnantish. And when I finally shared what was going on and what we had been going through, it was like a weight had been lifted off of me. And it was like the biggest relief because I had been holding everything in. And here I am, you know, so public about everything and love connecting with people and sharing. But I like physically couldn't talk about what I was going through because I was just so, it, it was so painful. Sure. But when I started sharing what was going on with our infertility journey and shared this article, that's when I started really connecting and engaging with people and was able to get the right resources to be able to ultimately get pregnant. If you don't mind saying what were, because you said when you did this genetic testing, then you came back and you're like, whoa, there was a whole other onset of challenges that we had to endure that you didn't 
think about and actually go back. Your daughter, you said is three and a half years old. What was the start? How many years prior was it before you even tried to do this? And then (laughs) by the time you actually had her? Great question. So I believe, uh, I've lost track of time with the pandemic. I believe we started trying, (laughs) I think it was 2017, 2016, 2017. Wow. Okay. So sometime. We did our transfer finally in, I guess, October of 2018. She was born May of 2019. Wow. Okay. So, okay. So it takes some time. So yeah, if you can explain a little bit, like what were some of those challenges? So those unexpected challenges, I I should say, where you were like, oh, wow, like I didn't expect this. And then what were some of the resources you did find? Was it through IVF? Um, um, I think you did actually mention that Um, through IVF, how many times? Because I know there's different cycles that people have to go through just high level um, to make people kind of understand who don't know what that process is like. Yes, absolutely. So um, first, we started with the original reproductive specialist and actually just really did not have a good experience at that practice at all. And something that I've just learned through so many of these other women that I've connected with over the years is if you are not having a great experience with the provider, like you don't have to stay there. And I, you know, when I was so desperate to just want to have a child and this one practice had been recommended to me by a friend that I knew who got pregnant there. And I thought like I had these doctors like on these pedestals, like they were like the end all be all. Mm -hmm. But I've learned if you're not having a good experience, these doctors work for you. You're paying them. Like you need to be able to have great communication and feel like, you know, they can, you're partnering together to get to the outcome. So the first doctor that I went to, um, at one of those first appointments, he did an ultrasound and saw what he thought was, um, potentially a, um, polyp or, or cyst. So he sent me for an H, uh, HSG procedure, which, um, again, I was not warned about how potentially painful that can be if anyone has had one of those before and, um, got very sick after that procedure. And he then still wanted to do an IUI like a week later, even though they saw these polyps. And I learned from that experience. And then of course the IUI didn't work. And then that was when I was like, well, we have to switch providers. Like I don't feel comfortable there, but it like took me going through all of this like pain with them to realize, okay, we need to go somewhere else. So I got more recommendations from friends and other people switched to a different provider. He did an initial, um, he did initial ultrasound. He's like, it doesn't make sense to move forward with any of these procedures, um, or like, uh, IUIs or anything until we, remove the polyp. So I did a procedure to remove the polyp. And then the doctor came out after the procedure and said, well, your entire uterine lining was covered in polyps. You would have never gotten pregnant. Wow. So So you going to the second doctor makes you realize that, no, we can't do that. We need to do this. And then you're like, wait a minute, there's a whole other thing of that we didn't realize you had that you would have never gotten pregnant before had we not recognized or found it out. Wow. So he, he removed all of all wow. of the polyps and then sent it off to be biopsied. And I was so during that time, I was like so traumatized and scared because I'm like, oh my gosh, like, do I have cancer? Like, why sure. is like, like what, what else is mean? going on? Yeah. And again, like not knowing any of this stuff and just like learning as I went and doing the, you know, research as I'm going. So I get a call, it was like about a week or 10 days later after that procedure, and I get a call saying the biopsy came back and you have something called chronic endometritis. 
not to be confused with endometriosis, which I later learned I had silent endometriosis too. But at that time, it was like this one thing, like one thing led to the next, right? So found find out I have chronic endometritis. He puts me on a week of week or 10 days of regular antibiotics and says, okay, once you take that, it'll be gone and we can move on and like start doing IUIs. So then that's what I do. And I didn't, I don't remember doing a ton of research initially. I just listened to the doctor, did that. We moved on to the next thing. And then month after month, we were doing IUIs. I wasn't getting pregnant. And then finally I said, I'm like, do you think I still have chronic endometritis? I had then started doing more research on it. Sure. And through sharing on social media, I had met these other women who had chronic endometritis and I was trying to learn how they, you know, um, got rid of it because everything mm-hmm. I was reading, it's like, if you still have it, it's there's something. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, there's something going on there. Yeah. So I asked my and asked my doctor to do another um to do another biopsy. And then it came back that I, of course I still had it. And then I just like took, at that point, I had just learned so much and I just took everything into my own hands at that point from that point forward. And I would just basically instruct the doctors on my care plan and what, what I was, what you were going to do. So all the information. Yeah. So basically for those listening, you became an advocate for yourself. Yes. And I wasn't, and I am that type of person to, to be that way. Like from, I think everything is just like so connected with running businesses. Sure. And like, I, I learned so much about, you know, advocating for myself medically from running my business and vice versa. Like it's all interconnected, but in the beginning, because it was like so painful for me and I just yeah. wanted to believe and trust that these doctors knew more than me because they did like initially they did until I learned that doctors are only doing the best they can do with the knowledge and information that they have. And sometimes they don't have all of the knowledge and information and it's up to us to find it and then present it with them and make sure you have a good relationship with your doctor that they're willing to, to listen to you. Which makes sense. It's like them having their own village because they only have the experience of what they have the experience knowing. So if they've never come across a patient like you, if they've never had a situation like you've had, why would they know about it? But again, to your point, we just think we put them on a very high pedestal um, of thinking that they do know it all. They've seen it all. They've done it all. And to your point, they haven't. I think there was someone I knew that said that they've been a doctor for like 20 years and they still come across things occasionally that they're like, oh, goodness, we never had this situation before. So for those listening, be an advocate and do the research. Now, tell me, did you get, um, because, you know, you have people that are like, oh, the internet, and if you go on YouTube and the Facebook groups and all the things, how did you decipher to help you of what was really fact (laughs) versus opinion and you making your own educated synopsis, research, um, overall summary, you know, summary of it all before you presented it to your doctor? Well, with the endometritis, what we were trying to get pregnant, I actually connected with this other woman through Instagram and her dad was a doctor. So like I would get on calls with her and we were looking, reading journal articles and finding resources to figure out like, have there been studies done on endometritis and what are the best protocols? Because my doctor hadn't treated chronic endometritis with anything else besides his one protocol, but mm. it wasn't clearing. So there, we had to find other answers. So sure. the two of us partnered together and got on a mission and she happy story for her too. Like she ended yes. up being able to do the same with her doctor. And once we did all this research, um, but wow. jur- journal articles are, are great and PubMed and there's a lot of those resources. Sure. And then, you know, with what ended up happening in our, so we, we ended up finally getting pregnant. We did IVF. 
I also went to see other um, specialists. I have autoimmune, of course. So I went to see other specialists to do other blood work to see if there was anything else leading up to when we eventually had the transfer that I needed sure. to do to ensure like the highest chance of success. Were there other things going on as well, aside from the endometritis, aside from we then found out I had silent endometriosis through other blood work? Like, were there other things we should look at just to be sure we have the best chance? So I found another um, special uh, doctor who specializes in fertility and people who have um, autoimmune issues. And then I had him partnered together with my re reproductive yeah. uh, endocrinologist. And I was like, okay, we're making a team and you guys need to coordinate together yes. to make this care plan. Um, and then, and I found that doctor through from sharing my story from other women who reached out to me who recommended that doctor. And wow. then we did the transfer and I had this feeling that the embryo split. Like I just had this feeling in me and it did. <laughs> and I was Which initially- Which means what? What does that mean? So explain to so my listeners when, like what that means. Yeah. When the embryo split, I so I was initially pregnant with identical twin girls. So wow. with, with twins, either an embryo can split for gotcha. twins or mm -hmm. there's two, two separate embryos. And those are like fraternal twins. Sure. Fraternal and then identical. Gotcha. Identical. So I would, we were initially pregnant with identical twins and I just had this feel, I just like knew. And, um, we, the pregnancy for the first few weeks, I was bleeding a lot. Like it was very stressful. Those first few weeks, I kept thinking I was miscarrying because there was so much bleeding. I had a, I think it was called a hematoma. Like there was all sorts of stuff. And then there was like oh, a wow. three week period, I think from 12 weeks to 15 and a half weeks where it was like quiet and calm. And then at 16 and a half weeks pregnant, we found out I had something called twin to twin transfusion. And twin to twin transfusion is when essentially one baby is getting all of the blood, the blood supply, and like the blood, uh, the mm -hmm. everything's crossed. So we had to make just very tough and quick decisions. And um, again, you know, the second I found out that I had twin to twin transfusion, I joined the twin to twin transfusion Facebook group, connected with sure. other moms, shared what was going on on Instagram, was able to instantly connect with people who could help me and who could help guide and advise because. It was, it was unknown territory. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what, what in the world is happening? Like I've already been through so much. How can this happen? And then uh -huh. we ended up doing emergency surgery to try to save both of them. And unfortunately lost Molly's sister, Emmy, after the surgery. And then a day after that, I ruptured from the surgery. So I lost all my amniotic fluid at 17 and a half weeks. Oh, wow. And Again, I, you know, we were being told, you know, the pregnancy is going to end. You've lost all your amniotic fluid, but I, I didn't go into labor. So mm -hmm. I, you know, shared in the twin to twin transfusion group what happened. And they said, you need to join the PPROM group. Oh my gosh. PPROM is um, premature rupture of the membranes. So I joined that group. And in that group, there were all of these stories of hope in there of women that wow. would tell me like, if there's a heartbeat, there's hope, like your baby can make it. So here I have all these doctors telling me. Your pregnancy is either going to end or you need, you sh should terminate the pregnancy because her lungs will never develop. She'll never have a good quality of life. And here, all these women on Facebook are telling me my child survived without amniotic fluid and they're happy and healthy and amazing. And of course, not, not all the stories are like that. There was plenty of stories sure. in there. But there's hope. There was hope. hope. There was a there chance. Was there, yes. So I just held on to that and I'm like, 
Molly will decide if she can make it. Like that's not my oh. choice to make. And look, everyone oh, can choose whatever is best best for them. And I'm not here advocating and telling anyone sure. what to do. You have to do what's best for you, what's best for your family. But what was best for me was to give her a chance. And this community on Instagram and my friends and everyone who was following along and helping and praying for us and guiding us, Molly would not be here today if it were not for sharing my story, connecting with these people. And some of these women that I've connected with are some of my closest friends to this day. And you had Molly, a full term pregnancy. We delivered at 34. So I, I forgot this part. <laughs> I spent 17 weeks on bed rest, 17 okay. and Makes spent sense, 11, 11 weeks yeah. inpatient in the hospital. So that from wow. once I turned 23 weeks that way, if I did go into labor, I would be, um, at Makes the hospital. Sense. But man, I mean, it was wow. a journey, a journey, a journey. And I just, I share this because everyone has their journey and some are easier and harder than others, but there are other people, even if a situation might feel like no one's ever been in it, like there are people that have, and you can find them and people will get on the phone with you and people will text with you. And oh. I give back and, and do the same for others. And because I've shared my story, I get messages all the time, you know, Hey Steph, a friend, I just got a message yesterday. My, one of my best friends, one of her best friends just ruptured from a procedure, a different procedure, and is about to be inpatient in the hospital. And, you know, I'll help her and, and cheerlead and do whatever I can. And of wow. course we can never guarantee outcomes, but if we're willing to try, like there, there can be hope. So. Oh my God. I got <laughs> emotional there for a moment because, you know, when I, when I talk to people and they share their story and a lot of it, whether it's a long journey or whether there's been some, well, I think we all have ebbs and flows and ups and downs, right, of whatever challenges we faced. But when you can talk about it now on the other side, it's this, 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 but thinking about it, right, the empath in me is like, oh, my goodness, I could not even imagine because you're like, but then we found out we had this, but then we had this and then we had to do this of what that journey in it must have felt like, may I ask, did you suffer miscarriages or was it you were like, I couldn't get pregnant and then you had this and then Molly came? Because that's just remarkable because you hear a lot of women on their infertility journey where they do have a lot of miscarriages and you know it's several times. Talk a little bit about that of what you experience in that way, because if not, that's actually kind of remarkable that it went from like zero to a hundred so fast. <laughs> Well, we did, we did six IUIs first that uh, didn't work. Okay. Five, five or six IUIs that didn't work. Gotcha. So it was like every single month. It was like, you know. Gotcha. It's not connecting. Just torture not... every single month. And then yeah. we decided to move because I really wanted to try to avoid doing IVF just because for me yeah. personally, like, and especially with having autoimmune issues and like putting all the hormones and everything in my body and not knowing how I would, you know, my body would handle everything. I really wanted to try to do whatever we could to not have to do that, but we did. And that's okay. We now have fro healthy frozen embryos that um, yes. if we move forward with having a, a second, which I would love to, but um, we would probably go the surrogacy route because I, I physically don't think I could go through a pregnancy again, based on everything sure. that I went through it for myself physically and mentally. But um, yeah, we, I mean, it was every, it was, every month doing these IUIs. And then sure. when we did our transfer for IVF transfer, the first transfer did work. And for my listeners who don't know, can you please explain an IUI? I think IVF is a little bit more the commercial, like we know, you know, it's, it's in vitro fertilization, correct? Yes. So if you could explain IUIs, yes. yes. <laughs> so an IUI, um, they are essentially, they're monitoring your, um, 
So, you know, when I'm four or five years out from all this right now, like, I don't remember <laughs> all of the terms anymore like I used to, um, yes. but they, they're they helping, I think, like stimulate your um, gotcha. yes. egg count or egg, egg count during that process. Um, and you take a few different medications and they're monitoring you every few days. And then they essentially like inject the sperm into you at the right time. Correct. It's basically they're like saying, okay, this, and then you're hoping that it's doing what it's doing in a nat in what would happen in a natural case where the sperm meets the egg. Um, And that's even actually amazing when I had first heard of that, of of what they're able to do with science and with medicine and to to do all that. But wow, that's just a remarkable journey. And um, I know you're a little one. I know you're very um, open and honest with just showing, sharing not only, um, you know, what you do as an entrepreneur, but also as a mother. Um, I know you said recently when we uh, tried to do this part one, um, your daughter has, uh, was it a heart condition or something you found out if you don't, wouldn't mind sharing? Yes. She does. So we, we actually knew while I was pregnant that she was potentially going to um, have a heart issue because, because I was having constant monitoring, like every three days having ultrasounds while I was in the hospital, um, they saw that she had a hole in her heart. Mm. So we were, you know, very hopeful that ultimately it would like totally close. Um, and we've just had monitoring every single year, um, since she was born. And we did just find out this week that it looks smaller. So it's yes. not totally closed yet, but it looks smaller. And the cardiologist yeah. said, cause we thought had it not changed that, there was a potential we would have to do a surgery either this sure. year or next year, but it's looking promising like we won't, awesome. which is That's exciting. Amazing. So and tell mir- me, miracles you, happen. <laughs> yeah, no, they do. I think your daughter in, in itself is a miracle to say that she had this, the tw- twin transfer Twin to twin transfusion. And then, yeah. And to survive that with the, I mean, I know the minute you said the amniotic fluid, um, basically I'm like, no, right. We all know babies can't survive without that. Right. That's just what we think or what we know. So, um, I can imagine being in that and hearing these stories from these other women, like, no, there is a possibility. And as a mother, once that baby is in your belly, you're like, oh no, if, if there's a 1% chance, I mean, and like you said, everyone has to do, you have to do for all the listeners out there what's best for your family. But I think, I don't know. Yeah. If, if you know, it's that 1%, it's like that mama bear instinct where you're like, yeah. okay, well then let's, let's fight. Let's, let's give it a, let's, let's go for it. Let's, let's yeah. do it. Right. Yes. Um, so that's just remarkable. So tell me for, for anyone possibly listening with this, um, with your daughter's heart condition, did you tap into any Facebook groups or any groups that even helped you with that? I did not as much. Um, I think I did share in the the PPOM group because as we were having these ultrasounds, I was trying to understand like, was this caused by anything that happened? And actually the cardiologist had shared with me, the heart is formed so early after fertilization, like the structure mm-hmm. of the heart that really? she said, it's nothing like it's either like genetic or it's just, it happened just, just from what it how is. Her, wow. her heart was formed. Um, and then the other thing is that I don't like to like go down a rabbit hole with something until I know that something is definite. So like last year when we had her appointment and he was like, you know, we'll follow up in a year and then can make decisions then. So in my mind, I'm like, why am I, I don't, I'm not going to spend my like mental energy and brain capacity worrying about something and doing all this research on something that might not happen. Had the conversation been different last week at the appointment 
you wow. know, maybe then I would start, okay, if we're going to have to have this procedure, I'm going to go down the road of learning gotcha. absolutely everything, connecting with other parents, but I don't need to yet. So I'm going to use that energy and that time to go help other I women business it. owners. <laughs> no, I, and we're, that's a great pivot because we're, we're going to dive into that. But oh my God, I love that even just, I think that's a mom hack, life hack. It's like, look, because I know I've fallen in, to your point, like we could all fall down that rabbit hole of diving into things too much and getting a little like worried with it, especially with things outside of our control. So I love that to say like, listen, why even go there? She's, she's good. She's happy. She's healthy. Let's, let's, you know, she's good. She's not showing any signs of anything. Yeah. Um, so at this point you're like, we could listen to the doctor here and we can, <laughs> you know, we exactly. can, we're good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, okay. So let's pivot. So, um, Wow, I read a fantastic bio and thank you, thank you for being so open and honest and vulnerable and sharing about that with your motherhood journey. And I love how, you know, three and a half years later, which I mean, how can you not? Your daughter's happy, healthy, she's here. So that's that's amazing. Um, tell me about your other, I would imagine, baby. Social fly, entrepreneurista, right? Or two babies. Um, high level, what was your journey into entrepreneurship? Did you ever did you always know that you wanted to be a business owner or did you kind of fall into it as I think um, a lot of women that I've talked to on here that have been entrepreneurs, they've kind of fallen into it um, unexpectedly. Yeah. Well, I think I was an entrepreneurista back as far as I can remember as well. So just as I knew, I always wanted to be a mom and have a family. I was selling Girl Scout cookies and making bracelets and finding things that were trending and selling them from the time oh, awesome. I can, as far back as I can remember. So I was in brownies. I think I was six years old, seven years old. And I remember <laughs> yes, being I remember brownies. <laughs> a top seller and just like the exhilaration and that feeling of like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, there's a need and people want it. And then you can make money selling it and you're helping people. They're eating these cookies they love and they're paying for it. And then you're getting an award. So um, I, I loved it. I think that was my initial taste at, no pun intended, entrepreneurship. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, I think I've just always been this, you know, natural, you know, marketer, loving to see what's mm -hmm. trending and then create something from it. So, and I didn't even realize this until like four years into starting Socialfly, like where I actually started connecting all of the dots from, mm -hmm. from my childhood and like what led me to, to where I am today. I think I always knew I wanted to, I did always know I wanted to start a business one day, but I didn't necessarily know what it was. So social fly, um, came to be, I had a lot of friends who were starting businesses, uh, you know, a few years out of college and they would come to me asking for advice with sales and marketing strategies because that was my background. I concentrated um, in hospitality and sales and marketing at Cornell. Mm -hmm. And I always, I was one of the first users of Facebook. I always stayed on the forefront with everything that was happening in social and I loved it and I was obsessed with it. And I started telling people, you know, you have to start using social media. This is going to be the way of the future. And this yes. is going back, um, I don't know, 2008, 9, 10. Wow. And then my business partner, Courtney and I, we met through a, a mutual friend who's also an entrepreneur. And Courtney and I first became friends before we were business partners. And we quickly realized after starting to work together, we had opposite skill sets, which also make for a great partnership. And we yes. started taking on clients together on the side of both of our full-time jobs. And after working nights and weekends for about 10 months, we said, all right, this is going to be a real business. We either have to go all in and do it or not do it at all. So we, Courtney and I quit our corporate jobs on the same day, which was May 4th of 2012. And wow. we never looked back and grew and scaled our agency business organically by doing great work for our clients, being referred to new clients, 
always practicing what we preached with our own marketing for our agency business. So we were quickly number one on Google for social media agency and influencer agency, wow. winning winning awards for our work on the Inc. 5000 list for a few years in a row. And what started to happen was because of the quick growth and success of our agency business, women started reaching out to us, women founders, like every single week wanting to go mm-hmm. out to coffee and pick our brain and hear just how we were able to do it. And, and, and yeah. boom. <laughs> yeah. Well, what you've now learned about me, I'm the type of person I like to help absolutely everyone, but I started yeah. to realize it was physically impossible to go out to coffee sure. with everyone. So we started yeah. thinking, <laughs> how can we help as many women as possible, but do it at scale? So initially our idea was our podcast, Entrepreneurista, that's how it started. Entrepreneurista wow. was as a podcast. Oh, that's like how my motherhood village started. Yes. yes, that's awesome. And then evolved into our full media company, podcast network, and now our membership community, the Entrepreneurs League. So, wow. And you still, and Socialfly, I think I, I saw Socialfly is still very much active and oh, yeah. doing its thing. Wow. So, Courtney, run, we, we've, we're amazing business partners. We divide and conquer. Courtney runs our agency business, Socialfly. I run everything with entrepreneurista. So we each run point on both businesses. And then we come together, of course, every day, you know, as needed. And Courtney's gotten even more involved now with entrepreneurista as well as we're growing very quickly. And Courtney is amazing with operations and finance. And my specialty and background is business development and, and marketing. But you have me operate and organize. That is not my strength. So knowing what your strengths are are very important. And very, 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 very true. Especially I think when you do become an entrepreneur, because it's it's very much you, or if you do have certain, if you have a partner or people helping you, but you have to know your strengths and how to delegate and ask for help when needed and, you know, and not try and take the cheap way, you know, saying, no, 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 I'll do it all. I think at some point, I mean, yeah, I, I do believe in, Sometimes you have to go, you know, and do what you have to do in the moment. But for sure, for sure, you have to know your strengths and when to um, outsource and, and ask yes. for help. What is your overall mission um, with Socialfly, with Entrepreneurista, with with all that you have? And how do you hope to or how are you currently um, impacting your community? Yeah, so with Entrepreneurista and our community, the Entrepreneurista League, our goal is to help women founders and leaders have all of the resources, tools, connection, and community that they need to launch, grow, and scale their business. And Courtney and I have learned over the years, no one grows a business alone by themselves in a room. It takes community. It takes a village. It takes a group of other founders who are willing to help you, who want to lift you up, to give you the time and resources and tools to help you make it all happen. And Courtney and I had joined, you know, every networking group and business organization under the sun since launching Socialfly many years ago. And as when we set out to create the Entrepreneurista League, we wanted to bring, you know, the best parts of all these different organizations and communities we had been in and put the, put them under one place, under one group mm-hmm. with the Entrepreneurista League, because we were like in one group for this, one group for that, one sure. group for this. And it was like, wait a second, this is not efficient for an Entrepreneurista's time. So... Um, we That's set out awesome. to, to create the the community to give everyone what they need if they are serious about wanting to grow a business. No, for sure. And I think that's key, a serious of wanting to grow because I think things are hobbies and you turn and you're like, well, is it, do I need to do all the things? And I um, found out soon enough of, I'm like, oh, wait, I can have this great idea and wanting to help moms. Like, what do you mean? Of course, but you have to do the work, right? You have to, you have to market, you have to promo. If I'm having an event, if I'm doing this, if I'm putting together a summit, if I'm having support groups, whatever that is, you have to do the work to bring that. It's not just going to happen to your point. You sitting in a room and saying, I'm going to help moms. You know, there has to be something with it. Um, and you have to be serious about it because truthfully if you don't have the why or the mission for it you can give up very 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 easily that's a good segue into my next question for the mompreneur listening the entrepreneur still listening 
what advice can you give? And I don't, I don't like to say balance because I think at some point you, you just can't. There's sometimes where mom life is going to be here and your work life mm-hmm. is here. It is what it is. But how do you juggle? How do you juggle to make sure that things are kind of flowing the, as best yeah. as they can? Being a wife, being a mom, and being an entrepreneurista. I would call it work life integration now. Everything is connected, especially, you know, yes. not everyone, but a lot of people are working from home. And, you know, I hear as we're recording this, I hear my daughter screaming. It sounds oh, like she's yeah. like having fun, but um, in the other room right now. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think it's all about integration. For me personally, in order to manage it all, I calendar everything. Like yes. I live, breathe, and die by my Google Calendar. If Google Calendar went out or Gmail went out, I would be in so much I trouble because I would have no idea what to do with myself or where to show up. But I, I, I calendar everything down, to even yeah. like the weekends. It's like, this is the time I'm going to go to the gym. This is the time I'm yes. going to be with my daughter. Like everything is calendared. And it allows me to really prioritize and I I do time blocking as well and see what's actually important and then reprioritize, right? Like every weekend, I'll look at my calendar for the upcoming week and be like, are all of these things still priorities? Should I shift things around if they're not important? Should I, should I move them? Um, But yes, that that is the best way for me personally to, to stay organized and efficient. Yeah, I think early on when I was even doing the podcast, goodness, 2019, and I was emailing, and then Calendly came, and I was like, oh, like, yes. this was like, why, who, why haven't we thought of this long? You know, it just makes it easier. Okay, so how do you show up as your best self and overcome self-doubt and build your confidence? You know, I think a lot of times um, moms, whether it's going on play dates, you know, whether it's advocating for themselves, advocating for their children, or a, a business owner, um, how do you overcome kind of your self-doubt and show up as confident? as you are? I would say it's really like practice, right? Doing things Mm -hmm. that you're uncomfortable doing and practicing doing them. And then they start Mm -hmm. to feel better and more natural. I personally, and I know a lot of people when I say this are like, what? There's no way, Stephanie. Like I, I consider myself like an introverted extrovert. And maybe part of it is because I've spent the past two and a half years working from home. So I've gotten like very used to like just mm-hmm. being by myself and being on Zooms or recordings <laughs> like this. And then when I'm with a lot of people in person, I'm like, oh my gosh, I get I get overwhelmed yes. and I get social anxiety. But I do. Like I yeah. just because I'm running businesses and because I host a podcast, like that doesn't mean that I feel totally like amazing and comfortable everywhere. Yeah. I don't, but it but it's practice and like just doing some of the things that don't feel so natural and don't feel so comfortable and just like putting myself out there and realizing, okay, like that wasn't so bad. Maybe the next time it'll be even better. And I even remember like when we first started our podcast, some of those first recordings, like I was so nervous. I was so nervous. And now that I've, you know, done it for for years, like it's just amazing just having conversations. But in the beginning, until you practice things, things are going to feel scary. It's like getting over that hump to just, just start. That's what I always say. Just get started. I even, I we, love even that. Put it, we even put it on all of our mugs and uh, oh, I love it. <laughs> our yes. books because you just got to just start. If you never start, you never know, right? You yeah. never know what's going to be. You just always just stay stuck. Um, Stephanie, it's been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. But how can people connect with you 
Yeah. So for our Entrepreneurial League community, if you're interested in joining our community of founders, you can head over to entrepreneurial.com forward slash join. Our main Entrepreneurial website is entrepreneurial.com where we share all of the best resources, tips, tools, stories of women founders and leaders, and all of our past episodes are there as well. Um, on Instagram, we're at entrepreneurial with an S at the end. And uh, Social Fly, if you're interested in social media marketing services or want to learn more about our women-led social media agency, the web address is socialflyny.com and at socialfly on Instagram. And I am personally always available. <laughs> Slide into my DMs on LinkedIn or Instagram at Steph Jill Carton. I love it. Any other final thoughts, Stephanie, before we part ways? I always let my guests kind of have a final word. Anything that touches your heart that you'd like to share for a fellow mama or fellow entrepreneur still listening? I would share, you know, never be scared to reach out to someone and ask for help, advice, guidance. I have reached out to so many people that have helped me over the years, and I've had so many people reach out to me and say, I was like nervous to send a message to you, but I just did it and have been able to, you know, especially with people's fertility journeys or complicated pregnancy journeys, help help share hope or advice. So if you are thinking about reaching out to someone, what, whoever it may be for whatever reason, just reach out because the worst that someone can say to you is no or not reply. And then it's okay. Yeah. But what yeah, could happen if they, they reply and they help and you have a great connection. So just reach out, just get started. I love that so much. And I think that applies to everything in life, personal business, the whole nine. So thank you so much, Stephanie, for your time. It was an honor to speak with you and continued blessed love and light. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their Motherhood Village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.